Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery. We're here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions and other addiction-related mental health challenges. In this show, we dive into the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual aspects of addiction, mental health, recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. You can listen on your favorite app or at jodystevens.org. Genuine Life Recovery is made possible by great friends like Joshua's Heart in memory of Joshua Brent Moore, bringing hope, love, and awareness to those afflicted by addiction online at joshsheart.org and Jody Stevens Productions for commercial voiceover, narration, production, MC, and public speaking online at jodystevens.org. Hey friends, welcome back to Genuine Life Recovery. I am talking today with Timothy Regal. Timothy is the founder of Into the Wilderness Ministries, helping men transform their lives by renewing their faith, re-energizing their families, restoring their masculinity. He is author of the book, Living Porn Free, 10 Steps to Recovery, redemption and renewal. He's also a recovery coach and he's helped hundreds of men overcome addiction to porn and sex, save their marriages, become better men. He is also a licensed funeral director, a chaplain, a worship leader, and a husband and father. So lots of great stuff, uh, Timothy. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk about this very important, needed, but also sensitive and sometimes difficult topic. <laughs> sure. No, thank you for having me. And I, yeah, it sounds like I, it really sounds like I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> but <laughs> it does. It's uh, it's good though. It's good. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you get to be our age, although I think I've got a couple years on you, you know, and people ask you, you know, what do you do? You're like, where do I start? You know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, you had a funeral before this. What would be the difference between like a funeral that went really well and one that like didn't go so well? Well, I guess that's a broad spectrum. I mean, it ends with the, with the, um, you know, the body getting where it needs to go. I guess that's successful or, but I, I guess yeah. if there's no drama and things go well and, and things like that. Cause I've in 20 years of, of doing this, I've seen some, seen some things. So, um, but, uh, no, I enjoy that. It's a, it's a very rewarding career and, uh, you know, being able to, to help people at one, obviously the hardest time in their life. And, and, yeah. um, you know, that's always been, been very rewarding for me. Awesome. No. And that is, that is fantastic and would be, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, a tough thing to do, but also something that's, you know, much needed, um, much like the work that you're doing now with porn and sex mm-hmm. addiction, which is, um, you know, super important. So Timothy's going to share his story of porn addiction and deliverance, why it's such a problem in society, the damage it does, the best ways to quit, how the church is dealing with this issue or not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So those and many other things. How long do you have, uh, Timothy, like in recovery or sobriety, as it were? Uh, a little over five years, five, nice. five and a half years or so. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, you are a miracle, my friend. You know, I Thank always you. like to, I've got 18 years drug and alcohol free. Um, my husband's like two, 21 years, you know, so I always like to start these topics with just kind of hitting on addiction in general, right? Because sure. it's all the same thing, 
right? If we're talking alcohol, if we're talking drugs, if we're talking food, if we're talking porn, you know, you can mm-hmm. look back and say, wow, I had the a double life, right? I was hiding stuff. I was preoccupied. I was planning it. I wasn't there for my family, right? All those sorts of things. I was rationalizing. I was switching addictions, right? I mean, all those sorts of things probably exactly. relate to your story just as well as mine, you know? Yeah. And I've, I found that as well, that a lot of those things, a lot of addictions come from the same place. They just manifest themselves in different ways. And that's one of the biggest things I focus on in my coaching and my ministry, but also that helped me finally break free from it, was understanding that it it is something deeper inside of us. You know, it's not just a bad habit or something that, you know, oh, well, if, if you really wanted to, you could quit. You know, you mm-hmm. just, you're just not trying hard enough. You know, yeah. that type of language, which is like telling someone who's, you know, majorly depressed just don't be sad you know it's 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 almost the same thing yeah you know most people who are stuck in addictions don't want to be stuck in addictions yeah you know and so understanding what the true causes are behind it you know for porn and sex addiction especially because there's such a a taboo nature to it and and Mm -hmm. things like that it, it it really is is difficult uh, for people to understand, you know, a lot of these men aren't just perverts or, or aren't just, you know, have this, this crazy sex drive or anything like that. A lot of it comes from a place of having pain in their lives that they can't deal with. Yeah. And one thing I say all the time is, is that addiction isn't about, porn addiction isn't about pleasure. Porn addiction is about pain. Yeah. And that's just the, how it manifested itself. We, we sexualize these emotions. And learn that we could escape from either trauma or wounds or, or triggers in our life through porn and sex. And it wasn't until I understood that and, and stopped the whole, you know, I just need to try harder. I just need to pray harder. I just need to do all that. Yeah. That I found lasting recovery and lasting healing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, we all do things for a reason. And sometimes it's the only tool that we know. You know, neg- the negative right. effect, as they call it, or negative emotions or pain or trauma is the number one cause of addiction. You know, yes. and so you're, you're right. It's just, it's it's the Band-Aid. So it's like, okay, so first stabilize the, you know, get rid of the addiction and get some sober mm-hmm. time. And then we dig and then we dig. And that's what recovery is and sanctification and, and all those things that we go mm-hmm. through. And, and um, you know, and you grew up in the church and my husband mm-hmm. grew up in the church. Now, I did not, but okay. it, for him, it was always like, well, you know, just give it to Jesus. And, and it, you know, why can't you just stop? And, and I, while I understand that, and you and I both have seen that happen, it usually just doesn't work that way, right? Especially if there's trauma and stuff, we really got to kind of work through this stuff, you know? Right. And it, it really is on a deeper level. And yeah, it's not something to just pray away or just try yeah. harder or do anything like that. And now there are, <clears throat> there is discipline involved. Yeah, there is hard work involved and you do need to try about it. You do need to pray about it. You need to surrender yourself to the Lord. Um, But it needs to go deeper than that. And I think that's why so many men struggle and so many men eventually relapse because they're just treating it like a bad habit. And so you, you might get some success from that. You know, I work with a lot of guys who, you know, they can get a few weeks or a few months and even. But they always go back to it because what's happening is they're they're pulling them up themselves up by the bootstraps for a while. But that only works until that that pain and those emotions and those deep seated traumas are 
too powerful to the, for them to to push down. And right. so the church, I don't think, has done a very good job over the last 20, 30 years adjusting to this. They're, they're, cert- they're getting better at it now. I will say yeah. that. You know, a lot more churches are, you know, I've spoken in churches. Um, they're understanding what a problem was. They didn't really keep up with the times very well. <laughs> You know, when when all this, you know, this sort of especially porn addiction skyrocketed with the the, you know, tech boom, you know, in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, Mm. you know, it didn't really keep keep up with it. And the other thing is that churches just have a habit of just beating people over a head with what not to do. Oh, yeah. And and not explaining to them the dangers of it and why it's there. You know, like when I was a kid, the big three were don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex. And it was just like, don't do those. Don't do that. They're sins. You go to hell if you do those. Well, by the time you're an, an adventurous, a little bit of a rebellious 13-year-old boy, what do you think the three things you want to do most are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and then once you try something like that, so once you get exposed to porn, you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> You know, when you're when you're a hormonal teenage boy, you know, so then you yeah. start questioning, well, you know, what what I I was always told this was sinful and evil and all this thing. And, and, and it's actually, you know, there's part of this that I like, you know, this is fun and exciting and adventurous. Right. And and, you know, what else is the church not telling me the truth about? And so we've thrown a baby out with the bathwater and, and just taught everything that sex is bad. All these things are bad. And mm-hmm. sinful when they aren't. God created sex. God created yeah. it for for the marriage of a man and a woman, and it's good. And we need to teach that that sex is good. It's just not good outside of a marriage. Right. And and if you do these things, if if there's promiscuity, if there's pornography abuse, if there's there's all these type of things, that these this is what happens to people, and and the consequences that come of that. And, and people like my story where, where it damaged not just me, but my marriage, my family, all these other things. Yeah. And so we, the church needs to do a better job explaining to that, not just beating people over the head with, hey, don't do these things. Right. Well, and then looking at what is it that you like about it versus, you mm-hmm. know, we're always, like you said, everything's this, this negative, but sometimes looking at what it does for you mm-hmm. and then challenging those lies and then developing some different ways to meet those needs like those are really important things to do too right that we don't talk about and then the emotional piece of it where everything we're all supposed to just kind of feel good well but we Mm -hmm. just don't because we're in a fallen world and they're suffering and jesus said in this world you will have trouble and and so you know you go into the church is like hey i mean i didn't go into church till i got sober like i went to aa because i you know so it's it's right so you're like you're like trying to get it all together so you can go in and like Mm -hmm. be all great and not say, you know, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm, I have anxiety, I'm, I'm an addict, you know, we got to clean it all up. And, and um, you know, that's the big challenge, too. And it is, I think, like you said, getting better. But right. my thought is that you probably went to a support group, maybe away from the church first. I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, in, in in my case, it was 
very much kind of what I just described. You know, I was just a, a, a curious, adventurous, hormonal teenage boy. You know, I didn't have any of the major kind of red flag things that a, a lot a lot of the men that I work with have. You know, there was right. no sexual abuse or, Risk or factors, you, know, you know, yeah, there's none of those major red flag mm-hmm. emotional traumas in my life. Yeah. Um, but I got hooked on it right away because of what it became for me was it became a way for me to how to handle things in my life. It became my coping mechanism. Yeah. So it was what I went to when I was sad, when I was happy, when I was angry, when I was disappointed. Um, and, and I didn't have any of those major red flags, but I still had, had wounds. I still had things that happened that were maybe subtle compared to some of these other things that I deal with with some of the men I work with now. Yeah. Yeah. But yet still were were scarring to me emotionally. And I and I ran away to porn and to sex to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And that continued on through the rest of my teenage years. Um, you know, I got married fairly young. I was 21 when we got married and naively thought that would solve all of it. And it, <laughs> yeah. of course, it didn't. You know how that ends. But it escalated, too. And that's the other danger of it is... It's not just, you know, just a, an innocent, horny teenage boy looking at porn. Yeah. It's what it leads to. It's a gateway right. drug. Porn is a gateway drug. And it escalates. And the reason it escalates is because you need more and more uh, dopamine to get the same. Just, yeah, just like any addiction. It. Just, just, mm-hmm. it's, but what's yeah. different from with porn from other addictions is porn, it has always has to be something. It's not just more. It has to be more and, and different. Mm. So like okay. with an, an alcoholic, you, you would just drink more. Right. You know, and, and, and most alcoholics have their drink of choice, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just drink more. But with porn, you don't, the guys aren't just watching the same video over and over and over again. It's always got to be something new, something different. So that's where it escalates from a 13-year-old boy that just Googles boobs you know, mm-hmm. to, yeah. you know, getting into more hardcore stuff, getting into fetish stuff. And then, you know, the, the chat rooms and the cam sites. And, and, and now there's, mm. there wasn't when I was in it, but now there's the OnlyFans and, and, and the Tinders and, the, and all that sort of stuff. And then it can eventually make the jump into physical behavior, which, which mine did, you know, to where I was having meetups and, and hookups and, and um, you know, seeking out prostitutes and escorts and things like that you know things that i even thought were terrible at the time like i hated what i was doing but that initial learning that to use porn as my coping mechanism and my escape led me to that because it just continued to escalate and escalate and escalate oh my gosh so and i did all the right things you know like i said i was i've been a part of the church my whole life i never denied my faith or never you know tried to really justify what i was doing yeah um, I knew it was wrong the entire time. And I, I did all the right things. You know, I went to the Bible studies. I talked to the pastor. I went to a counselor. We, you know, I read all the umpteen thousand books that are written about it. Um, no, they would all work for a time, but they never, never would completely do it. Never would completely heal. And, and, and you know, I got caught a bunch of times, kind of BS'd my way out of it. Um, it was good for a while. Got caught again. You know, it was just this, this endless cycle for 10 15 years mm-hmm. um so yeah kind of a number of bottoms you're, you're married at this time you're, yeah. you're still pretty young you're 
what was it like with the family life? Were you kind of sneaking around on the internet, like things like that? Um, so kind of kind of go into that, how it sure. impacted your family, and then maybe hit on, you know, what was really the turning point where it was like, sure. okay, something, you know, I mean, because most of us, we know, we know when we know, like for me with my addiction, like something was, di- like I had to call mm-hmm. A sponsor and do the dirty deal that I didn't want. You know, I wanted God to just fix it without me having right, to you exactly. know, do any of the work. Yeah. And then, and but once I did it, and then I never drank again after that. Like there, it was different. Like there was there sure. was that. But the bottom for me was just like waking up on my own vomit. And, you know, just, yeah. anyway, I went. Well, you know, mean, there's yeah. there's just something where, and I was scared. I was scared mm-hmm. I was gonna die. I was like, "This sure. is it," and when I lost my brother to his addiction, and so something was different. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that happened to you, where something was like it. It just was, and sometimes it's not anything you would think. It's just one day you're just done. You're just done, you know. <laughs> well, I think God so, uses different ways to speak to us. Yeah. You know, um, my rock bottom, whatever you want to call it, never could have always been a lot worse than it was. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I, it, it, you know, my wife, I, you know, I was unfaithful to my wife, you know, yeah. yeah, I was sneaking around late at night, staying after work, you know, doing that type of stuff, texting people on my phone, you know, online, that sort of stuff for, for 10 years, you know, yeah. into our marriage. And our kids were little at that time. So they didn't, didn't, it didn't really affect them directly too much, mm-hmm. but now looking at it, fast forward to now that my kids are teenagers, and 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 imagine having to have that conversation with your teenage daughter yeah. that you were addicted to porn for all these years and cheated on her mother, and so it has affected my relationship with my kids, even though they didn't realize it was happening because they were they were little then. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I, I had times where like I got caught and I was like I'm done, I'm I'm, I'm over with this, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and then eventually I went back to it and went back to yeah. it. And we actually separated for about a year, my wife and I. Um, you know, but we ended up getting back together and, you know, continued to to try and, and work on it getting better. And that just just that cycle continued and continued. But the the breaking point for me, the turnaround wasn't any sort of um, rock bottom as in and in, in just everything fell apart. Right. Um, I was, I don't like the term lucky, but I was lucky in that sense that my, my wife stayed with me, that she was willing to forgive me and willing to work on it. Um, the moment was I had two good friends of mine and we were best, best buddies. I mean, we hung out all the time. These are the guys, you know, you go out for a beer with, you go, you know, watch the game with, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, our families would vacation together and they, they knew about my, my addictions and they, would would check up on me and kind of be accountability partners for me. Um, but I kind of lied to them just like I lied to my wife and everybody else. Yeah. yeah. But the last time I got caught, they caught me. Mm. And they kind of exposed me to my wife, to, you know, family, to, to everything. And for whatever reason, you know, God used them to speak to me. When and like you imagined at that moment, for some reason, something just a, a switch just flips, and for some reason, you know, something changes in your in your mind or in your heart, probably more like it, yeah, where it's different this time. And I don't know why that was that way. I don't know why God used them. It it 
in hindsight, it breaks my heart because I look back at all the pain I caused my wife. And it's like that didn't get me seeing how much I hurt her. That didn't get me to change. What got me to change was losing the guys I go out for a beer with, you know, once a month. But they're the ones that normally would be like, oh, this is cool. And so maybe that's why they're the ones that were like, no, dude, this isn't cool. And and these were the guys. And and that makes you go, because, you know, the wife, you would think, oh, well, she doesn't understand. But when it's the Mm -hmm. guys, I could see where that would be really like, oh, my gosh, like they drink beer and they're buddies and they're cool, but they don't think this is cool. That would be hard. They were very they were always supportive of me and, 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 and tried to help me. Yeah. You know, but I wasn't ready to be helped. Mm. So after that was then, I, I really got close with a pastor, an older pastor friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he was really, really coached me in the way that I coach guys now. And he didn't do kind of the typical pastor thing where you, you just pray harder, you know, <laughs> um, or, or just kind of surface level uh, counseling. Continue to run on self-will. Yeah. Exactly. Pray harder. He's, yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah, pray God harder, can try do it, harder. But pray harder. You know, yeah. Have you have yeah. you tried this blocking app? Have you done this? Have you, you know, it's all the right. surface level stuff, which yeah. are important, you know. Initial, yeah, that's the initial yeah, is, you know. is let's get, like I always right. say, stabilize right. the patient. You know, you want to get, you know, take the, yeah. get some sober time. And then like we talked about earlier, exactly. and then, yeah. it's, then we kind of, kind of got into, yeah. get into the digging and the real, the real deal, you know? Yeah. And he helped me realize, you know, because I had all this time just treated it like, yeah, I'm just not trying hard enough. It's just a bad habit. I just need to force mm. myself out of this. Which and then he heaps really helped more me. shame on you because now exactly. you're like, exactly. you're like, well, everybody else has got their their sin, which right. you know what I mean. It's like every admitted we were powerless over sin, that our lives had become unmanageable. That's what I always yeah. say. It's like yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's if yours is porn and, and mine's alcohol, and the guy, the guy they counsel you had something too. Maybe it was mm-hmm. anger, but you see what I mean. It's like, but yeah. but it heaps more shame on you because then you're like, well, it's this thing and. Everybody right. else can get over theirs and I can't, you know, get mine. And anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, you know, that 12 step, step one of, of admit you're powerless, you know, that's what I need to do that. It, it, yeah. And he helped me understand then and go deeper and understand, okay, there's some emotional things that are under this. It's yeah. not that you're just running away to porn and sex just because you, you want to, or just because you're a pervert or, or you know, right. I had a, a, a fairly healthy sexual relationship with my wife this entire time. So it wasn't like I was getting something from that that I wasn't in my marriage um, because it didn't have anything to do with it. Right. And that's something that's so hard for a lot of people to understand and honestly a lot of wives to understand is that these sexual addictions, porn, sexual addictions generally have nothing to do with sex. Mm -mm. And they have nothing to do with with the wife. I mean, obviously it affects them. They're they're, they're affected by it. But the majority of time it's not that you're, I'm not getting something from her, so I'm going to go look at porn and go go cheat on her. You right. Know, that wasn't it. The reason it, I did it was because it was how I had learned to cope with things. And so when I faced stress, when I faced anxiety, when I faced these triggers and these wounds that had happened throughout my life, that was how I dealt with it. Right. And so I had to face those wounds, understand where they came from, what they did to me, and then what they made me believe about myself. 
and kind of face those emotions and learn to process them in a healthy way. Right. And because if you don't do that, that's where the true recovery and healing takes place. Right. And, 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 I, and you have to sit through to it, you know, right. to the other you, side of it. And once you do that, you're like, oh, well, that didn't kill me. That didn't right. kill me to be depressed. It was okay. Yeah. You know, and you yeah, kind you of learn to, to observe. Yeah. And then and, and then you're like, oh, okay, I didn't I didn't die. I wanted to yeah, kill exactly. like I did that with suicide. Like I sat through like literally I went through a bad time and I wanted to uh, I imagined getting my gun and like ending mm-hmm. it and I and I just observed it. I didn't act on it and I just sat there for 2 days through yeah. to the other side of it. And I realized that that was God's way of saying, this is dying to self. You are dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are mm-hmm. dying. You're not really going to kill yourself, but you are dying to yourself. And you right. you sat through to the other side of that depression and you didn't die. And then when, and then you don't, and after that, I didn't have those feelings again. I didn't have it again, you know, but, but we bail and this is what we're taught to do. It's like a curve, right? And when we're 14, right, you got that bail. And then the mm-hmm. next time you bail and you bail and you bail and exactly. you bail and you never get to the other side. And it's just yeah. that way with any addiction, you know, but anyway, yeah. I, I totally interrupted you, but <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> but then... Yeah. You have to, you have to sit through that. You have to yeah. face that pain yeah. and, and not run away from it. And that's something that's so hard to do. Because you have to, especially for guys, right? You have to sit there and force yourself to face yourself, and not when for fifteen. Well, yeah, (laughs) but you have to face those fears, face those emotions that, at the first hint of, we bolted and ran away from before and ran away to whatever your addiction is. So you have to force yourself to face yourself in those ways. And, and this is the other side of it that a lot of, I think, counselors and, and churches and pastors think get wrong. The first side is they just treat it like a bad habit and, and don't, you know, and, and you just need to try harder. And that we've talked about that. That doesn't work. Right. The other side is they go too quick into the clinical too mm-hmm. quickly. And if you're going to do that and sit through those emotions and sit, sit through that pain and that depression and that anxiety and face it and not run away from it, not bail on it. As, as you said, you have to have a framework set up in advance of these habits before you do that, because right. So and that's what what I found out with a lot of counseling things and a lot of the um, books and stuff that are written on it that are, are helpful, useful materials. But they dive headfirst into the emotional stuff and it scares the hell out of people. Yeah. There's like, I got to face all this stuff and I don't know how to. And, and, and they get overwhelmed and quit. Oh yeah, so, I, and I did that so many times when I when I first started in this this game. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, your mother's a narcissist. Read this book, and, you know she's triggering you, and then I, you never see her again yeah. <laughs> until I finally learned. Like, okay, just because you know something doesn't mean you have to say it. But that's hard. Yeah. But but yeah, you're you're right. It's just like someone walking into AA. I mean, they don't even know what mm-hmm. the twelve steps mean. They're they're. I mean, it takes them three days to even know where they are. You know. Right. I mean, right. yeah, you're right. It's it's a so, very slow process it's a it's kind of a it's a it's a dual path to it you know and i i i say my my coaching is focusing on habits and is focusing on heart Mm -hmm. you know and you and you need both for just the reason that i described you know if if you can't just be habits but if you don't have the habits you don't have a a, a, there's no guardrail there to protect you Mm -hmm. you know um and if you just have the, the emotional stuff 
um, you're just diving headfirst into that and you're not prepared for it. So right. I focus on getting some of these habits in place and, and getting that framework set first, you know, okay, let's, let's stop the bleeding here first. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll get to the deep seated emotional stuff. First, we got to stop the bleeding. You know, we're, we're not going into surgery, you know, with, yeah. you know, it's like trying to do brain surgery, you know, when you, when you're still actively bleeding, like, you know, no, you stop the bleeding and then get yeah. them to the hospital and then <laughs> fix it, you know? Right. And so that's where we're working on the habits and the accountability and, and the routines and all those different things and get those in place, those kind of uh, practical, physical types of things. And then once there's there's some success under the belt and, and some victories here and some some sobriety, then it's safer to dive into the to the deep end of the emotional stuff. Right. And, and you and, have to have yeah. some, some coping skills and right. different ways of like, yeah. okay, what's your plan? You know, what, yeah. you know, for you, I mean, you had to probably figure out what the triggers were, what, what exactly. was it? Yeah. Am I hungry? Am I depressed? And then, you know, and then when, when you, when you relapse, I mean, I always tell people, I mean, relapse is kind of normal and, and when you do, exactly, it's a, yeah. actually a really great opportunity to figure out what triggered it. And then we kind of go from there. And, you know, um, so how did you get so, so these guys found you out, mm -hmm. exposed you, you talked to a pastor. Is that kind of how the recovery started? Then did you join a group or, or uh, how, yeah, did, how he, did God really kind of deliver you? So it was, it was a lot of that one-on-one -on -one with him. Mm -hmm. That's where the, the real work took place. I did some group stuff, did some Bible studies yeah. and, and group things, and those were helpful. But the the heart of the work was in that one-on-one -on -one with him. Mm. Um, and he walked me through it, loved me, encouraged me. You know, he took the shame out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and talking about how relapse is, you know, relapses can be helpful. Yeah. You know? and, and almost everybody relapses. Yeah. You know, almost everybody does. You know, I know there's cases where God performs miracles and they, in it, and they just never go back. But most but people usually relapse. they yeah. wanted to, you know, like God could yeah. say, hey, you know, like I never drank again after I called the sponsor. But I can't tell yeah. you how many times I tried to quit on my own. Right. So there's that. Like most people yeah. will say, yeah, but I tried 600 times on my yeah. own and, and failed. So he you know? took that that shame out of it. Yeah. And what happens with a lot of people and a lot of the guys I talk to and work with now is they get so caught up in the streaks. They get so caught up in the, um, in how many days have I gone? And if they have a relapse or a slip up, then they think all their, they're, they're full of the shame again and it starts everything all over. Yeah. And relapses are, are they're, they're a part of the recovery process. Mm -hmm. And they're not a failure of the recovery process. Right. And, you know, an example that I use a lot is let's say you're you're driving in your car you go 100 miles down the road and then you blow a tire yeah yeah it sucks you're frustrated you're you're mad you know you, you know whatever but it doesn't undo the 100 miles you already traveled you don't go back to square one just because you blew right. a tire no you fix the tire you get back on the road and you avoid the potholes yeah and it's the same way with this. You know, we're, we're going along. Yeah, there's going to be slip-ups. There's going to be setbacks. But they don't start us back to square one. We're, we're, we're still here. We pick up where we left off and keep going. And that takes that shame out of it. Yeah. To where, yeah. you know, oh, I'm screwing up. I'm never going to do this. You know, and, and, you know, and I focus on 
uh, I'm a baseball guy, so so I use baseball terminology. It's like I, I focus on the batting average, not the hitting streak. You know, so if you go two weeks and have a have a relapse, well, that's not throwing away all that progress. Those are 13 days of, of victories, solid victories, and one day of, mm-hmm. you know, striking out to continue the analogy. Yeah. You know, that's that's a 920 yeah. something batting average. That's what I focus on. That takes that shame out of it. So he helped me to understand that, um, which which helped push me forward. So working with him, helping to understand some of the emotional things that were going on. Um, being having that accountability there where I could be completely open and honest with him. And, you know, the prayer, the spiritual guidance that he gave me as well, that's what led me down the path to, to recovery. Um, I learned more about it then. Uh, you know, I joined some, some different groups that we had at, at church that did. And I actually ended up kind of leading those groups after, uh-huh. after a couple of years. Um, so... You know, my wife was a part of that process. You know, we did a full disclosure with her where I kind of just laid everything out. And we did that in a, in a professional way, you know, uh-huh. and to allow us to start over and heal. And we actually renewed our wedding vows on our 10th anniversary after all Yay. of this. Awesome. And um, so it'll be 15 years here, here later this summer. Um, so, you know, our marriage is stronger now than it ever was because I was able to do that work. Um. And kind of one thing led to another at, at church. You know, I was helping with some of these Bible studies. And, and I, I, it's one of those things where even after I was had some sobriety, I still didn't, people didn't know. You know yeah. I didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But then opportunities to talk about it kept falling on my lap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got involved. I've always been uh, a musician and I've always been involved with praise teams and stuff like that. And I was worship leader at church and... I had, you know, some of these younger guys that were playing a worship team and tech team and stuff like that with me. And I realized how bad it was with them. Mm. And so I kind of started mentoring them then a yeah. little bit. And then kind of, I, you know, started giving my testimony. I started writing online, um, started doing the whole social media thing and, and posting stuff on there and blog articles and podcasts and stuff like that. And it's like every time I, you know, cracked open that door just a little bit, God kicked it wide open. <laughs> You know, and he's still doing that. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was never something that I planned even even after I was in recovery that yeah. I ever planned on helping other people do it. But that was the kind of the mission field that God laid on me. Wow. Um, you know, so now I've been been doing this coaching for uh, it'll almost three years. It'll be three years later this year. Uh-huh. You know. So kind of what is your life like now compared to what it was? I mean, it sounds like it's just like three, uh, 180. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's know? a complete 180. I mean, my marriage is is, is, is happy and healthy and exciting and, and thriving as it, as it could be. Um, you know, yeah. we're, we're closer and healthier at 15 years than we were at any point in our marriage or dating life before then. Um, I'm able to be a better, more engaged father to my girls. Um, you know, they're teenagers now they're going through stuff now. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to be that there and be an active and engaged father with them if I wasn't, if I was still in my addiction. Um, you know, my, you know, there's more energy, there's more drive, there's more ambition. My head's clearer. I'm not, you know, in chains, you know, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten a better physical shape. I mean, my, my life is just completely, completely turned around. I'm much closer 
have a closer walk with God because I'm actually living out his, yeah. his plan and will and not living in sin. And, um, you know, and, and having that forgiveness and that yeah. redemption through him. That's why I talk about it in my, in my book. I talk about redemption. Yeah. Um, that's something that only God can give us. And he gave us that on the cross. And we have to be willing to accept that. We have to repent and 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 confess, repent, and turn from our ways. Go and sin no more, like he says in John 8. Yeah. And then, you know, we have that redemption from him, and our sins are washed, our hands are washed clean, our washed, sins are washed white as snow. Yeah. And I, I'm, I do most of my teaching from a faith-based background. I, I'm not somebody that believes you have to be a Christian to quit porn. I don't believe. Yeah. For, for me, my recovery and my sobriety, I didn't do that just because I'm a Christian and the Bible says it's wrong. Even That's true. But I work with a lot of guys who aren't Christian. You know, there's there's a, a million reasons that this is devastating people's lives that have nothing yeah. to do with religion. But my relationship and my faith in Christ gave me that strength, gave me that purpose, gave me that healing and forgiveness that only he can do. Yeah. And so I want to pass that hope and that encouragement on to other men. Yeah. Well, and I love the the Bible's just a redemption story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Mm -hmm. And people that don't know it, they're like, well, God could never forgive me. And it's like... But he's wooing you like from 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 page one, like like, yeah. and then you look at just the, and he was an evil king, and then God wooed them back, mm-hmm. and then God wooed yeah. them back. You know, I mean, it's this great love story. It's the greatest love story ever told. You know, it's like, of course he wants to forgive you, and and it's all about drawing him to you. But you know, we don't know that until we see it, and it's a beautiful story. You know, and well, and and it really is, and and seeing the people. And the characters in the Bible, and, the, and especially yeah. the men in the Bible, you know, we always think of them as these great saints, and they are. Oh, Lord. But every but one yeah. of them was broken, just like yeah. we are. Yeah. You know, um, Samson. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know, there's only one who was perfect. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and so yeah. using those examples and understanding, okay, these were real people. Yes, yeah. they had extraordinary faith, but they had extraordinary hardship as well. Yeah. And they're human in their sin. And so we can learn from those things and, and find strength and encouragement in those things, in those um, lessons from the Bible that we often look over. We just think of these great, you know, the, the, the holy saints that yeah. are on the paintings in front of the church. You know, we don't think about how each one of those was a human who suffered and, and sinned just like we are and struggled with their faith and struggled with right. their own types of things, you know. Um we forget that I Abraham ca- kept lying, you know. She's not my wife. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, we just like there's we, liars, there's murderers, there's little adulterers. Funny there's funny things in there that you're looking you know, closer, and you're like, right. Oh, yeah, wow, that was really funny. <laughs> you know, or well, whatever. and I always call the, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. We don't know yeah. exactly what that is. Um, it could have been an addiction. It could have been a physical ailment. We don't know. Yeah. But the the passage that I reference often is Romans seven, where Apostle Paul is talking about struggling with sin. He's like, I know what the right thing to do is, yeah, but I don't do it. He's like, I know what the wrong thing to do is, and I don't want to do it, but I, I still do it. And and that's the exact struggle of the addict. Yeah. You know, we know this is killing us. We know it's destroying our lives, our families, our relationships, careers. It, it, it's, it's destroying us. We know it's wrong. We know we have to stop. We just can't Yeah. on our own. And that's what he says. We can't. 
because we were dead to sin and it's the sin that lives within us and only through the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ gives us the victory. And that's what gives us the freedom. Yeah. You know, we'll never find freedom on our own. It, it's no. through that that healing and that redemption through him. Yeah, and then, of course, the Holy Spirit, you know, over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's where when it, when it says, I'm powerless over my addiction. I need a power greater than myself, which is the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I'm going to keep gratifying the flesh because that's exactly. what I was born to do. And I've, I've struggled with this for so long because for me it would go, you know, I don't – I would probably never take another drink, but then the food issue comes up or it's always Mm -hmm. something, you know? And finally I'm like, how do I do this? How do I walk by the spirit? And finally it, it came to me. It was like, you got to do, you obey first. Like you Mm -hmm. make a decision, you walk in it and then, and then those things will begin, but it's, you have to kind of make that decision, you know, and so it's a, but it's a process. Well, talk to me just about porn in general in the world today. You know, why is it so bad? Why are so many women too are addicted to it? You think Mm -hmm. it's, you think it's shameful for the guys, the women, we don't even want to talk about alcoholism and porn, you know, but why is it so bad? And what, what damage does it do and why is it so hard to quit? That's kind of like four questions, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're such a hypersexualized culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sex is everywhere. And yeah. and it's that talking about that, that of the flesh. And so it, it's almost become that, that it's a good thing for you to indulge in, in the desires of your flesh. And, and, and we want that instant gratification yeah. for everything, whether it's from coffee to to porn and sex we want everything instant and that's pervading into our lives that we 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 can't handle anything unless we want those rewards and that satisfaction we want to feel good right now yeah you know so instead of sitting and processing through those emotions we want to sit and and we just want to escape and feel good you know and that's where all the the hypersexualization has come in. The the hookup culture has come in. You know all these things that have have gained traction over the years, that promise fun, promise satisfaction, um, right? Promise you all these things, but really they leave you empty and broken. And so that's one of the reasons people become so much they seek out all this all these addictions and type of things they don't go into them thinking they're going to be addicted they go into them thinking oh i'm just gonna blow off some steam here and then it gets you trapped and the the sexual culture is just just everywhere and Uh we started putting you know we started putting these things in the hands you know smartphones in the hands of nine ten year olds Oh gosh! And yeah. expect them not to look at hardcore porn. Like it's it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and it's just everywhere, and it's affecting men, especially. But yes, it's affecting women as well. It's destroying marriages. It's it's people are losing careers over it. Um, wow! Yeah. They're they're de- it's causing that shame cycle, and it's causing more and more depression and anxiety. I've worked with men on the verge of suicide because they, they're like, I can't stop this. And I, I'm, I'm spending hours of day doing this and I hate myself. My life's mm-hmm. falling apart. My wife's left me. My kids are gone. And, and all because I can't stop jerking off yeah. to a computer screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the physical problems, too. You're seeing young men in uh, 
highlight of their life, it's not the right term, but in the prime of their life, I guess, Yeah. having erectile dysfunction problems. And that's all related to porn, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Because where they get to the point where they watch so much porn that even real sex with a real woman isn't enough for them to be aroused. And so they'd almost rather, and a lot of guys have said this, they'd rather just watch porn and masturbate than go and have sex with their wife or their girlfriend or whatever. And even just because I even related to that to some degree because I was sexualized early and I was exposed to porn. And after just Mm -hmm. seeing a little bit of it, it it never went away. It's still in my head, you know. And so I can't even imagine that repeated year after year after year, you know. It's just, um, I, I mean... Can do you ever get rid of that? Like, what's is there a way to get rid of that in your head? Well, you know? I you... mean, kind of once you see something, you've seen it. But I mean, right. you get to the point I where mean... it doesn't affect you anymore, and you get to the point where your brain doesn't just jump to it, you know, because your brain literally does create shortcuts, you know, from from a medical scientific aspect. Oh yeah, the whole reward pathway, you, the dopamine, your, your reward mm-hmm. dopamine reward system gets screwed up, and it creates yep. those those shortcuts to where something triggers you, and you boom, you go right to to. Yeah. The addiction to the porn. Yeah. That can be changed, but that doesn't happen overnight. Right. You know, that can take right. years for your brain to rewire itself. Rewire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get, and that's where, where I'm at now. I'm at the point where, um, yeah, there's still images in my head and you still see something on mm-hmm. TV or something pops up online or something. And, and I can see that now and, and it, it doesn't trigger that instant reaction that it used to, you know. Because I went through that healing process and that recovery process and that, honestly, there's withdrawals there too. Yeah. But um, it was able to overcome that. And my brain, after over time, went through that and, and now I don't have that issue. Same thing with the, with the ED. Men who have long enough time away from the porn and, and things, eventually their brain starts healing itself and then they, they don't struggle with that anymore. But you see it everywhere. Like... One thing I I like to point point out to people is look at the advertisements for ED drugs. So, you know, HIMSS is a big one now, and I think Roman, you know, there's a couple of them now. You know, so many guys struggle with that because of porn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I can see that. 15 years ago when those drugs came out, they were all older, you know, silver foxes in in, in their 60s and 70s. And that's who they were marketing the drugs to. Because mm-hmm. they that that happens when you get older. Um, now the men in these commercials are like 20, 30 year old guys, who oh, guys God. who should yeah. be in in the height of their virility in life. Yeah. But they struggle with getting an erection to have sex with the right because they're watching so much porn, and and nobody wants to discuss that. Why why are why is a twenty five year old who should have zero problems with sexual performance having all these problems? It's wow. because probably 70% of 25-year-olds watch porn all the time. Yeah. And that's something nobody's talking about, but yet you see it. You see them marketing it to these people, and they should have no problem with that. But oh. it's the unspoken thing is like all these guys are watching porn. And that makes so much sense. And do you think that's why it's hard to quit? See, like with with addiction, you know, we go to a de- – you know, you're going to put you in a detox center, detox, right? right. Or, or like I did my practicum at an opiate treatment center. We're going to do methadone. Mm-hmm. We're going to titrate you down. You know, you do these things. But with porn, we don't, we don't have something like – maybe we do, 
but to my knowledge, we don't wear. No, I mean, there's you gotta, no you gotta real, starve yeah. it, <laughs> right? You right, gotta exactly. starve it. Right? You really do. Yeah, there, there's no real weaning off type of thing. Yeah, there's no methadone. There's no anything like that. Right. Right. And it's something that once you, yeah, once you have those images in your head, um, it's always there. You always have it. You know, it's not like you you have to go and, and meet your dealer or you have to go to the liquor store or or whatever yeah. to get your fix. It's all right there. And so a lot of guys will even get to the point where they stop watching porn and they just masturbate and, and can't stop that because they're addicted to the dopamine release at, at orgasm. That's what they're mm-hmm. really addicted to. Mm-hmm. And so it's always there and it's so easily hidden. You know, if someone's a, a severe drug addict or a severe alcoholic, that's not something you can hide from other people. Yeah. You know, pe- some people do hide it very well. You know, there's a lot of high function. In, I was in, pretty in good at it, yeah. Yeah, you know. But, <laughs> but eventually at some point with a lot of those things, there's going to be physical effects too. Yeah. You know, there's going to be changes in the body, changes in skin tone and flesh color and stuff like that. You know, there's going to be physical changes with that. With porn, there isn't any of that. No. You know, it can be a completely 100% hidden. And you hear that. You hear about these guys who are famous athletes or pastors or, or whatever and all of a sudden they get exposed and they were doing this for 30 years and nobody knew about it yeah because it's so easy to hide it mm. um and wow. the world just keeps pushing it that it's there's nothing wrong with it so you know it's only guys like me and a few other places that are that are saying this is wrong and you need to and we got to fix this because it's destroying you you know, when the rest of the society is saying it's good and they're telling young boys it's good to masturbate and, and, and watch porn because it reduces aggression and it does all these. Oh, God good Lord. You know, God well, now we're even beyond kids. that. Now it's like, oh, go be a girl if you, I mean, exactly. we're just, right. we're so beyond, like, right. we're just, so, I mean, that's a whole nother. <laughs> well, yeah, Lord, that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole, whole nother Pandora's box. But, uh, but, but yeah, so, you know, the, the society is telling us that this is all good and healthy yeah. and, and we should be pursuing this. When deep down, it's 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 destroying things. Mm, so, for the guy that's listening, mm-hmm. or even the gal, like, what? How do we? What? What's the first step? Right? I mean, we gotta get. We want to get some help. Um, how do we quit? Mm-hmm. The first step is to ask for help. Yeah. You know, the first step is to admit you need help. You know, like we talked about earlier, the first step is to admit you're powerless over it. Yep. You know, that's that, that's honestly the hardest thing, you know. Yeah. And, and the guys that I've worked with, they're like, the hardest thing I, the hardest part of this was me shooting you a DM on Twitter and being like, hey, I need help. You know, but that's the, the hardest part is is taking that first step, reaching out. Hey, talk, going to talk to somebody and be like, hey, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And no one, I, you know, addiction isn't something, recovery isn't a solo project. Yeah. It, you know, in any addiction, you know, you need accountability, you need help, you need support, guidance, encouragement. You need someone who's going to, you know, maybe give you a, you know, kick in the ass when you need it from time mm-hmm, to time. Mm-hmm. And so reaching out for help is the first step, getting that help, then going through establishing some of these, this framework to stop that bleeding like I was talking about earlier. Okay. You know it's a problem. You ask for help. Okay, let's stop the bleeding. Let's let's, you know, do the the whole Hippocratic thing. Do no more harm. No more you know, do, <laughs> do, do, no do, harm. do no harm. Don't make it worse here. <laughs> right, right. You know, let's let's analyze the problem, figure out what's going on. 
get some habits and routines and things like that in place to as a framework. And then we'll dive into the deeper stuff, figure out what's really going on. We have to figure out that why, you know, yeah. and, and find that true emotional healing. Because addiction isn't, to me, addiction isn't something you quit. It's something you heal from. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so, so f- discovering that, learning to process what the true issues are. Don't just treat the symptoms, treat the disease. Yeah. Deal with what the true emotional problems are. Learn to deal with those in a healthy way. And that's how you find lasting healing in, in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're listening to this too, it, it doesn't just take care of itself. Any, any type of addiction is very progressive. It tends mm-hmm. to get worse. If, you you mm-hmm. know, so, you, you know, if you're, if you're listening to it, like now's the time, right? I mean, this is for you because you're not going to magically wake up one day and it's going to go away. It's possible. It's happened, but generally not. Well, Timothy, this has been great. Uh, Finally, what what I did want to talk briefly about was just the church in general. We Mm -hmm. talked about how the church is getting better in addressing these issues. What do they need to do yet still to address pornography in our culture and in people's lives? There's, there's two things I think the church needs to do. One, I think, is, is bring the, the porn topic out of the, out of the taboo and out of the shadows. You know, you know yeah. if, there's a, if there's a, you know, obviously there's confidentiality issues and stuff like that. But yeah. it needs to be, hey, this, this is a big issue. Like in, in a church, in any given church, there are probably far more people addicted to porn than are dealing with you know, drug addiction or alcohol addiction or, you know, gambling or, or whatever, you know, just the statistics are most, there's more people, you know, struggling with that than, and the church focuses on a lot of other things that, um, you know, aren't, aren't as, aren't as big of a deal. And I said, just bring it out of the shadows and start talking about it. Yeah. The other thing that churches need to do is have much stronger men's support. Men, churches aren't preaching to men. You know, their churches are filled with women. They're not filled with men. And it's great the women are there, but there's nothing there for the men. You know, churches have become very feminized, very weak. Um, you know, a lot of there's there's a lack of strength in the church. It's funny because um, the church is like a corporation, you know, um, and, and I did, you know, radio as a DJ for mm-hmm. 30 years, still am. And it, and, and it was always like our target was the women 25 to 54 because they're the ones with the purse strings and they're the ones that make exactly. the financial decisions and you look at the church and it's like they're look they're, they're doing the same thing like exactly. like oh well, the women make decisions so we all are programming yeah. around them because they're yeah. the ones with the money come on now yes. tell me it's not and about s- that <laughs> exactly yeah, and, and fortunately <laughs> anyway, it, 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 i'm it sorry is. like a whole nother but topic but <laughs> you're you're exactly right you know the you men know? <laughs> the the men need the church needs to step up and and be yeah. stronger and yeah. give men the example, and men need to step up and be the example and take that yeah. take that mantle of leadership, which God You're called right. them and to be. You're right, and it's two ways. It's we can't and just blame exactly. the church, but <laughs> right, right. You know, so <laughs> yes, the church needs to help men, and men need to step up and, and take those leadership roles. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. and and take that responsibility on them. We need more strength. We need more boldness yeah. and, cr- and courage. You know, be strong and courageous. You know, God told Joshua. Yes, and there isn't yes. that. It, it's a lot of weakness. Um, and, you know, just, you know, just, just a, a lack of preaching biblical truth in order to satisfy cultural narratives. Yeah. 
So we're willing to, oh, we won't worry about that so much because people, you know, don't talk about those things. People don't want to come and hear about these tough topics like porn and sex and, 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 and sin and all that sort of stuff. Just go in there and preach a, you know, go preach some Dr. Phil sermon and, and, and make everybody feel good about themselves. Yeah. yeah. That's not the Bible. That's not scripture. That's not the gospel. So yeah. we need to be preaching the truth of the word, even the hard stuff, especially the hard stuff. And someone's got to have the strength and courage to preach that, even if it's unpopular in, in, in 2023. Yeah. And so, and the reverse side of that is because there isn't that boldness and that courageousness and that strength, there's nothing that's attracting men to go there and be a part of it. Mm. You know, for, for why do men want to go to church to hear some self-help sermon, to sing songs that sound like Jesus is my boyfriend songs, to... Yeah. You know, and there's just all women around and it's all a touchy feely message. You know, what yeah. what guy, you know, what red blooded American guy wants to go and sit through yeah. that? Yeah. They don't. And that's why they aren't mm-hmm. going. So I think it's we need that that strong male headship that that the Bible says there needs to be in the church and in families. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to make difference, obviously, in, in the porn and sexual area as well. Yeah. But it's going to have effect and throughout the rest of the church and community too Mm. so many nuggets of truth there i gotta have you back on and talk about the just the stuff going on in the church for a whole nother episode be glad to that'd be fun because we could talk about that for another hour because even i see some of it you know having been i was with christian music station the fish mm-hmm. out of you know sacramento and so we just did a lot of church ministry and stuff and there yeah. were just lots of a lot of beautiful things and wonderful things i love the church oh, yeah. you know of course but the, but the, but there was a lot of just stuff that you talked about that yeah you know was creeping and that i was able to see you yeah. know even being being a woman and yeah. you know all that stuff so um, so let's do that for sure. I, I would love sure, that. Sure, be glad um, to. I'll I'll follow up on that, and you can send me some like kind of topic ideas or things because you're you're a you're, are you a pastor as well or no you? no I'm not. Okay. Um, I, I I have a um, I plan a worship team and lead lead worship at, okay. at the church. Oh, and, we can talk about that um, too. Yeah, and you know, narcissism in the church. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'm serious. That's a that's a hot that's a hot topic. <laughs> Yeah, Everybody's you know, talking a, about narcissism, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of a I'm a I'm a tattooed punk rock kid that ended up playing <laughs> worship music, but yeah. Um, so no, and I do that. Um, I also do. Um, I have a chaplain's license to where I do, um, kind of some ministry. I do that mostly through oh, nice. my my, okay. my main job as a, as a funeral director and a mortician. Um, I do a lot of ministry to to families. Um, mm. through that and, and lead a okay. lot of funerals and kind of, you know, hospice cares and, 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 and to that type of thing that I do kind of mostly through my, my day job. Um, yeah. okay. and then, and, um, so no, I'm not, not ordained. My, my father was a pastor for 50 years. Oh grew gosh. Up in the church. Oh Lord. So um, you're a PK. So yeah, so I'm I, mean, a PK I could have, on top of it. <laughs> I could have you and then my husband who grew up at the, in the church where, yeah. you know, like I would come home completely with my heart ripped open and scarred. Mm. And he'd say something like, Oh, I'm glad to know the Pentecostals haven't changed, you know, or something like that. And I would be like, what? Like what? Yeah. You know, nothing against Pentecost. I don't mean it like that. I don't even yeah, know if I know that what was mean, what it was, yeah. but you know, <laughs> And I just, you yeah. know, I, I had to learn 
old later in life um, yeah. that people in church were human. You yeah, know, I was people... used to it outside of the church. Like I yeah. was fine when when there were family wounds or things like that. But once I went in the church as an older person, it was like, what? They're not, you know. My <laughs> so wife dealt with the same lesson. thing because she never yeah. saw the, the politics behind the scenes that oh. the pastors and their families deal with. And, um, you know, all the, the you know, maneuvering and conniving and, and, and you know, manipulation and, and, and politics and stuff like that that goes on. Because, yeah, it shouldn't, but we're, we're human and we, our, our nature is to sin and we live in a fallen world. And, and you know, that doesn't yeah. mean the church is bad. That just means that people are sinners that are in the church. And, how it's always been is how it's always going to be until the Lord comes again. Yeah. So, <laughs> Don't let people ruin your relationship with God. That's what I had to right. learn. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Timothy, thanks for hanging out. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. You know, we talked about getting help. If you're a guy sure. struggling with porn addiction, reach out to Timothy because this is what he does. He's here to help you. So give us all your information and where we can find you. Sure. Thank you. Best way to find me is, is usually through social media. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are kind of my main ones. I'm just okay. just my name at Timothy Regal. Um, my website's timothyregal.com. You can message me through there and find out more information there. Um, you know, feel free to you know shoot me an email, shoot me a DM on social media. Just be okay. like, hey man, I, I need help, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. And how do you spell your last name? Uh, R E I G L E. Okay, Timothy Regal. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us on Genuine Life Recovery. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, friends, for listening to Genuine Life Recovery, playing on your favorite app or on my website at jodystevens.org. It's J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, jodystevens.org. There you can check out my podcast, blog, recovery coaching info, speaking, and more. Check it out.